0: Hello, welcome to another episode of the Spirit of 2016 podcast on this Sunday evening after Northern Ireland have beaten Estonia 1-0 in a fairly drab, uninspiring friendly, it's fair to say. Um, we're also going to do a little bit of a Switzerland preview in the second part of the show and talk about that in the context of the other result tonight, potentially even the more important one, certainly the more important one in terms of qualification for the World Cup 2022, which is Switzerland nil Italy nil, which is quietly a little bit disastrous for our hopes. But we'll come on to talk about that. We are a Northern Ireland football podcast, so regardless of how important the game was, we are going to talk about that first. And Pete, Northern Ireland beat Estonia 1-0, and it's just an absolutely incredible goal from Shane Ferguson. It must be up there with one of the best goals in Northern Ireland history. It's kind of bobbling about the midfield. He just looks up, takes a touch, thinks, look at me, I've got the captain's armband. I'm absolutely class and he pings it into the top corner um, and he looked like the type of player that we thought he was when he was coming through at Newcastle at 17 and scored the goal against Finland and all that.
1: Yeah, it was an absolute screamer. I mean, it it lit up what was a pretty, as you said, uninspiring is probably the word, uh, match. Uh, absolute screamer. I mean, at the start of the second half, I was sleeping at time, slept for the first five or ten minutes of the second half. I do half. not blame you. So, uh, that sums up how I felt about it. But uh, why, why do we just score screamers in friendlies? I mean, McGinnett, the one against the States. <laughs> yeah. Ferguson's done that. Why can't we do that in the qualifier against Bulgaria? Uh, but I suppose, what, we, what else do we expect tonight in a friendly match? Completely new team. Players were getting used to playing with each other. And to come away with a win with a uh, pretty inexperienced team and a clean sheet is, is a positive result, but not the most entertaining of watches. <laughs>
0: He's never let us down, Ben. Uh, it's Andy Bell, Peter Baker, and Ben Harshaw. I can't remember if I said that. I don't think I did. Um, he's never let us down, Shane Ferguson, and he's racked up 50 caps kind of out of nowhere. I saw somebody comment under um, my post or, or my tweet, which I put out when Ferguson came on and got his 50th cap, saying it must be the most uninspiring 50 caps of all time. And then he goes and does that. And I commented under it. And, um, you know, he's been a good backup over the years and good squad player, a good player to have around the squad as well. But probably shouldn't have 50 caps. And then when he scored the goal, I was like, I meant he should have 100 Um, because it was absolutely incredible. And uh, we'll come on to talk about it. But anytime that Lewis has been injured or Brunt's been injured or whoever's been playing left back over the years has been injured, he's more often than not, he's come in and done a manful job and uh, he deserves his moment tonight.
2: No, I'm really pleased for Shane. I mean, and this comes from somebody who's a West Ham fan. Shane played for Millwall for many years, so I don't like saying this, but but no, I'm really pleased for him because you know you can say that he's an unsparing fifty caps, but you need players like that, you know. He deserves this moment and he deserves the captain and to get the 50 caps well done to him because, you know, the amount of times that he's turned up and he's rarely puts out of squads and the amount of times that he turns up, maybe gets two minutes on the pitch, five minutes, doesn't even get on, but he still turns up and he's committed to Northern Ireland. So, you know, we need people like that. You know, we can't be um, looking at people like that and saying, oh, they're not worth it or, you know, whatever. I mean, fair play to him and what a
0: goal. Absolutely. Pete, you make a point there about that it was a more or less second string Northern Ireland side and it was up against a pretty much full strength Estonia side. And it's hard to, you know, obviously full strength side, you'd expect Northern Ireland to beat Estonia every day of the week, but it's hard to judge the level of the players we're playing at compared to them. And, you know, they're at home and this, that and the other. Um, but there's four League One players who start tonight, three in the SPL, two playing the championship. That's Kieran Brown. He hasn't really been playing. And Paddy McNair playing out of position at right back. And then uh, Kyle Lafferty playing in the separate league. The subs who come on, two are playing under-23 football in Hazard and Connor Bradley. And then there's two players in League One who have come on, in Shane Ferguson and Dion Charles. So it is more or less, a, it's an upper-end League One side, to be fair. and um, The players we're talking about there are good players in League One. They're playing at the top end or they're shining in League One. But it is a League One side. And one of the things, I think we said this a couple of times in the podcast before, one of the things Barcliffe has done um, is that he's negotiated these triple headers even under Michael O'Neill at times when we were playing a friendly few days after a game or we had to make a few changes Germany at 6-1 sticks out for me Croatia coming to Windsor Park and us not getting a touch more often than not we looked like we couldn't compete whereas he's actually made a competitive side with the second string
1: yeah I mean he did a bit of that in the Nations League as well making us competitive in Norway and Austria yep. and Again, credit to Barclough, he has expanded our squad to no end. I mean, all these youth players obviously he's had that insight with the youth team, and I suppose that was the thinking from the, the IFA. So it's paying off, isn't it? Putting him in charge to, in terms of expanding the player pool that we've got. I'm you know, there is exciting talent coming through as well. Again, hey, credit to him for doing that
0: massively. Yeah. Um, Ben, it's it's a, it's a strange enough selection. Certainly. Well, first of all, I can work out what it was. And I always get the, the team news off the the UF app um, and try and tweet it out as quick as I can. And I was tr- like desperately trying to tweet it out. And I was like, is McNair playing right back? Is McNair, is it back three? Is McGinn wide at wing back? Is there wing backs? And I couldn't work it out. It turns out that he goes four, four, two, three, one sort of, or four, four, one, one, if you want to, put jones and lafferty up front together because jones was very much kind of just playing just behind lafferty um but i've just a bit of an issue with it, the lafferty selection first of all we don't learn anything second of all if he's thinking that it has to be a big man up front well what did he watch on on thursday night where we play washington where we play washington we play Lafferty, and we look as good as we've looked under ian barraclough surely that's the moment you give charles and jones a go and it's I guess that point is strengthened when Charles comes on and does really well. And I'm a bit sick of Lafferty getting all these chances while there's a guy scoring 20 goals in League One and doing really well in the minute minutes he gets when he comes on. Um I think that experiment kind of just needs to stop and we need to be using Lafferty off the bench in the future.
2: Yeah, I think that's the longest question in history there, Andy. But
0: uh, sorry, mate. Andy, yeah. I can't go no, faster. Like
2: <laughs> no, but, um, <laughs> no, the first thing I'd say on on Barclough, like I'm I, I've, as you know, I'm not exactly his biggest fan. But the one thing I'll say, I, I've accused him of being sort of very, you know, fixed what do doing, always a three at the back. So I'll give him credit for trying to go with a four at the back, and you know, in a friendly that. You've nothing to lose, so I'm pleased that he did. You know, change it up in, in terms of the formation and playing forward the back, just to give us a different look to see what what we can do. Um, but I completely agree with you on the Lafferty thing. I mean, we know what Lafferty can do. And this is something he did as well. I think I, I'm not sure if it was in the last quarter, it was in the it was in the Nations League stuff where somebody was wasn't called up into the squad. I think it might even be Shane Lowry wasn't called up into the squad. Yeah. Um. And then somebody else got injured. He ended up in the squad, and then he's starting over players that were called up, which to me is like, yes
0: makes sense. He, he got on the bench in Italy over Dion Charles. Is that what it was? And yeah. Came on, and then he started the friend in Charles only got about twenty minutes. So it must be a stylistic thing, but it, it is strange.
2: But but yeah, but on on the on the plane the one up and it happened to be a big man, it, it didn't make sense. And I'm pleased to say that we weren't playing long ball, you no know, lump it up to a big man football. You know, and when you see Lafferty, I was scared that that's what we were gonna do. We didn't do that. So and and having watched how good it was on Thursday with the two little men and, and how it's so you know, we don't. That, this idea that we need a big man and a little man, or just a big man, is so redundant now because we've showed sure that we can actually play some football now. You know, we can knock the ball around well, and we don't need this big man. And you know, in a friendly like this, you know, I'm afraid we'll put players like like Deon Charles off because the amount of times he's turned up now and he's got maybe. He got, he got a good run out tonight, I must say, but the amount of times that he's not got on or he's got 10 minutes or 15, you know, he's not got the chance to show what he can do when, let's be honest, we know what Kyle can do. And unfortunately, what he could do tonight was pretty damn crap. Uh,
0: yeah, I completely agree with that, Pete. I think it's the worst 55, 60 minutes we've actually seen a Lafferty. Um in the first 20 minutes, he, he didn't win any aerial duels. He didn't find a green shirt. Uh, not a green shirt. We're playing in white. Weren't we? He didn't find a white shirt with with any pass. Um, He wasn't holding the ball up well. He did. The one thing I will say about him is he didn't look unfit. And there are times we've played him and he looks just unfit and he gets nowhere near it and he's folding like a deck of cards. To be fair, he was trying. He was knocking people about. Um, his touch just like a mile off it. And when Charles came on, it was completely different. He was running the channels. He was fighting for every ball. He was putting them under pressure. Um, he didn't quite get a chance to, to have a shot but there's one where he cuts inside and nearly gets a shot away and just looked a lot more exciting and a lot more sharp and a guy that should actually be starting games like this in the future.
1: Yeah I mean just touching on a point Ben I, I thought we started off playing a bit long ball.
0: I think we I think we did it, we did know, it a fair bit yeah um, Just
1: at the start we sort of bypassed the midfield and I thought all oh, this might play in the Lafferty's hands, this might be the the tactics but you know, nothing really stuck. Um, I think the main issue is I, I don't like it when we play one striker. I don't really think it works for us. I know Dion Charles came on and um, we he played a bit better, but I think we were more in the front foot and we were playing the ball through midfield. McNair stepped onto the into the middle and we played it on the floor a bit more. But if we're if we're relying on long ball up the pitch to one striker, it just doesn't work. And I think that's the first. And the other frustration is obviously not giving Charles a proper run-out. Like all the points you've touched on, we know what Lafferty can do. Been a terrific servant for us, and I'm sure he's got more roles to play in the future for North Ireland. But we need to see what Dan Charles can do. I mean, has he even got three caps for us, or four caps?
0: Um, And this this is a guy who's been persuaded.
1: This is a guy who's been persuaded to play for North Ireland, and for what? (laughs) <laughs> you know like tonight was, would have been perfect and he, he came on and he did play well he looked he looked fit he looked quick he looked strong I mean he got a ridiculous yellow card that was
0: crazy I was furious
1: with that after some great play but I um, just want to see more of him and we're not going to see him against Switzerland
0: I was I really think... worried he was going to talk himself into a second yellow by the way because he was giving that yeah. referee absolute dog's abuse at one point yeah. I think he's picked up one or two Red cards over the course of his career, and I just thought, oh no, please don't, because he, he as you say, he did play really well, and I want to stick with you because I want to pick up on something that you, um, you mentioned there, sort of said about the, the that we were playing quite a few long balls, and it was kind of like a mixture. It wasn't like the classic Northern yeah, Ireland yeah. how they play when um when Kyle Lafferty's on there. I take Ben's point, but. I felt in the tw- first 20 25 minutes we were we were very much bypassing the midfield, but anytime it came to Alfie McCalmont he was doing something brilliant with it. He was taking this thing out of the play. he was taking a touch, putting the foot on it, finding a green shirt every time. Um, and I think ever since we realized actually we've got this kid in the middle who's really good here and um, we actually started to realize we can play through it and he just grew and grew as the game went on and for me he was by far our best player, I think.
1: Yeah, it was excellent. I mean, really exciting to see someone come through like that. I, I was watching the first 20 minutes, you're right. It was quite, don't, both Donnelly and McCombs were quite, but they sort of eased their way into the game. They played the simple passes.
0: I thought Donnelly was quite poor all night.
1: Yeah, they, they kept things very simple. My one issue at the start would have been, they could have shown for the ball a bit more, but like two people making their first starts at international level can be quite daunting. And then I think it was the 40th minute. McAlmont made this really incisive, quick pass um, into the feet of Jordan Jones, and he nearly played Lafferty. And, and then I was like, oh, "This kid's obviously very good." Mm-hmm. And after that, McAlmont started playing these fa- faster passes forward, trying to get the play moving. Throughout the rest of the game, he got a bit more confidence. So, you know, I was exciting to see. And I suppose we bypassed the midfield less when they started getting on the ball and. Firing
0: it forward Yeah his range of passing Particularly impressed me Um, Ben what did you think Of Alfie McCalman There you go Was that concise enough for you (laughs)
2: That that was very good Well (laughs) done You're improving. If only I can improve We'll be flying Um, But um, No what I thought of him Was I mean the first half In particular the, The word I would use To describe him Was tidy You know wasn't yeah. Giving the ball away, as Pete said, there he was doing a simple thing. Um, I think I think you're right, were, b- both him and Dudley weren't really involved enough in the first sort of half hour, maybe, maybe first half in general. Um, and I think I think one of the biggest problems was that we were very we were giving them too much time on the ball, um, and we weren't weren't really pressing. And I think it was, I don't normally find myself agreeing with me and Dowry, but on this occasion, you know, he was saying that if we, we really put a full press on them, they wouldn't be able to live with it, you know. I prefer many, many people to Cregan. In fact, you could give me a list of people that I don't prefer and it would be somewhat small, but uh <laughs> it's that uh, no, listen, it's not I'm sure it's not an easy job when you're sitting there and you've got to say something. But uh yeah, you'd think there would be better people out there. But anyway, um no, I thought we could be a bit more in their faces and that would sort of that would help. I mean, Alexa Donnelly is, you know, he's not the most gifted on the ball, you know, he's not the most gifted passer, but he's a he's a terrier, you know, especially from watching him Captain in the under 21s and stuff. He was, he's good at winning the ball back, being in people's faces. Um, he can certainly tackle. Um, so I think the fact that we were sort of sitting off them w- wasn't allowing them to grow in confidence. And then as they grow in confidence, doing what likes so what Donnelly's good at, then maybe his confidence will help him, you know, on the ball that little bit more. I wouldn't say, I mean, you, you said you thought he was quite poor all night. I, I wouldn't say he was wonderful. But I, one thing I would say is he's, you know, he's just been out for a year with a really bad injury. That's so. True. You know, and he hasn't played a lot of football since And that, he's in the so midfield too, so he has to cover
0: to more ground yeah, than usual. Yeah,
2: and he's in an inexperienced midfield too, I mm-hmm. suppose
0: you have to say, yeah. you know. So. Yeah, I just saw when Lafferty and Donnelly came off that we, we did look a whole lot better and there were the two players that I was thinking, you know, we do we do need to take them off. But yes, Donnelly has a lot more credit in the bank. And I actually think that Ian Baraclough, I spoke to a few people for the podcast when, when he was appointed and it was interesting that they said he likes to play with that anchor in midfield. I mean, you think about it, Davis is absolutely incredible, but he's kind of filling in in that deep line midfield role. He's not your traditional um, destroyer anchor player, whereas Liam Donnelly is that. And if he can get himself you know, playing regularly at, at Scottish Premiership level, and maybe get himself a, a move to a, a lower end championship club, I don't think that's with outside of the realms of possibility for a player like Liam Donnelly, then he could find himself in that for in years to come. And maybe you know, somebody who Ian Barkhoff relied on a lot in the under-21s, he made him the, the most capped under-21 Northern Ireland player of all time. And he, he was often in, in squads that Michael O'Neill picked as well. So there's a couple more players I want to pick up on, Um Pete. And I think we'll stick with the newer, younger players coming through and, and getting a chance and have a little bit of a, a chat about Connor Bradley. Now, there were a lot of people who were a little bit worried about a, a story that came up in the in the Belfast Telegraph this week uh, about potential um switch of allegiance and it was just basically that the that that the republic of ireland were interested in and there was no indication that he -hmm. was entertaining it there's no indication that it was in any way possible in fact the new eligibility rules state that because he's played a competitive game for northern or a friendly game sorry for northern ireland already that if he was a switch allegiance that he'd have to wait three years before he played a game anyway and the way he talked about uh, his debut for northern ireland out in malta um, maybe thinking he just had a lot of pride in representing his country, and and when he came on tonight, his attitude was absolutely spot on, and I was really impressed with how progressive he was. He loved that forward-thinking pass, fired into the striker's feet, get movement around him, and he's just one of those players that's really good on the ball, and you can see he's in, a, in an academy like Liverpool's.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't think Klopp would have kept him anywhere near the first team if he wasn't good on the ball. You know, he wouldn't be there, and you can clearly see it in the way that he plays. It's. Very forward thinking, it's everything is high tempo, quick. A few of his passes tonight he played a bit too quickly. That's maybe because not everyone was on the same wavelength. wavelength. Mm-hmm. could see what he's trying to do, zip it into the strikers, they control it to get chances off the back of it. So that you know, that's exciting. And watching him tonight, I sort of got a similar feeling as I did with Ballard. You know, just play this guy. Mm-hmm. What's what's the harm? It's you know, if it means we can move Dallas to somewhere that some people think he may be better at in the midfield, not me personally, or even on the wing, um, why not give him a chance? I know I'm sure others might have different opinions on that and be a bit safer, but might as well.
0: Yeah, Ben, uh, the pre-pod, you were making the point about, about Johnny Evans, who <laughs> came in without a first-team appearance, basically, at club level at 17 against Spain and never looked back. I mean... He looks like he, he might even overtake Steve Davis in, in terms of the most caps. He's only about 20 caps behind him. And Conor Bradley kind of does fit into that mold. Now, there's not a, an absolute disaster injury crisis in terms of position. We can there are, there are players more likely to play that position against Switzerland. And I don't think he will play against Switzerland, or I don't think he'll, he'll play in, in this campaign per se. But I think for the next Nations League, where we're in League C against weaker opposition, we're playing a quadruple header, I think it is, in June. I think that's where you're going to see the likes of McCalmont and Bradley and uh, and Galbraith become the players like Ballard and McCann who are now regulars in our in our squad. And you wouldn't be surprised them to see them against almost anyone. Um, but it, it really impressed it really impressed me tonight. I don't know about you.
2: Yeah, no, I mean, I thought he was absolutely superb tonight. Um, and yeah, I would I would say like I'll send you about Johnny Evans. Like, I just think what have you got to lose? I mean, I'd be honest. Listen, I. I hope I am very much hope I'm wrong, but we're not going to qualify from this group. I really think when we drew 0-0 with Bulgaria, our slim chances... It's a tough group, you know, to get Switzerland and Italy anyway, but when we drew 0-0 at home to Bulgaria, I think our chances of qualification really, really went. So I just think if nothing to lose, get the kid some experience, because when he came on the night, he, he was fearless is the word I'd use to describe him, you know, he was just... He wasn't he wasn't overawed by the fact... I know, he, to be fair, he's playing Estonia-like, and he's training every day with Liverpool. It's not, you know... It's not the same level, but still, you know, you know, he's a kid. He was, he was, he was brave on the ball. He wasn't afraid to tackle. He wasn't afraid to get forward. Um, And he just looked so lively. He looked so good. Now, I don't think, I don't think he will play against Switzerland. I, I would personally try and get him on at some stage. I mean, you can make five subs at the end of the day, mm-hmm. just to, just to encourage him and to give him just, I don't think that, the, I don't think a kid wants to go in Switzerland agents, but I just want to just, you know, encourage him and put that out of your mind. I mean, the likes of, Sikes, you know, he pulled out of a squad because he was going to switch allegiance. Where, where, you know, Bradley's turning up, uh, the one that he may not yeah, get a bit game time. There's absolutely really
0: wonder... no indication of it all. I think yeah. it's a story that's been fed to somebody who has a specific motive to unsettle him or something like that. Because there's absolutely just, nothing coming from his side.
2: Just on that, I was just wondering how Sikes got on this international break. Oh no, sorry, he didn't get <laughs> in the squad. Okay, and not score a goal um, last but... season. <laughs> but no but in all seriousness no I, I would encourage i just get him, get him on a wee bit now I wouldn't play him against Switzerland not because I don't think I, I don't think he'd let us down but I think Michael Smith deserves after playing reasonably well against Lithuania. I think it would be harsh on him uh, unless of course you're removing him in the centre back role um, which I'm sure we'll talk about mm-hmm. but uh, I think I think you would leave you would leave Smith fair for now Um. but, but the, you know Johnny Evans had no experience he had no first team football they put him in he never looked back uh, and if if Bradley if Bradley turns out to be even half the player that Johnny Evans has been for Northern Ireland, then we're on their winner. So you know it, the future is encouraging with players like with McCallum and Galbraith. You know, so there are there are definitely positives to take.
0: I'll stick with you, Ben, because I want to come on to talk about the centre halves tonight, and I know you're. Uh, quite a big fan of Kieran Brown. I think in a recent podcast, you, you'd you actually said, um, I think it was maybe before the Bulgaria game, that, that you thought he should play ahead of Ballard, because at the time, Ballard was playing in League One, and, and he was playing in regularly in the Championship. And I think him and, and Tom Flanagan both do pretty well tonight, to be honest. Uh, they both have their moments. They both look a little bit shaky at times, and they were very much in a battle. And I think I mentioned in the pre-pod against Estonia, sometimes you'd, you'd maybe just want your centre-halves to walk it. But they battle well and they win most of their battles, and I think they both come out of it with a lot of credit tonight. And they've both put their name in the hat for that third center half position against Switzerland.
2: Yeah, firstly, how wrong was I about Ballard? You know, uh, Ballard, Ballard. As I think, I think it was Dave. It was either Dave or Pete. The last pod were saying that Ballard really should be in our team every game now, and I, and I agree with that. You know, we should start building around him, being the one that sort of takes over from from you know when Johnny inevitably goes and Cathcart inevitably goes. Um, but on Karen Brown, I think Karen Brown's really really good. I thought I thought Flanagan was very good. I thought Flanagan um was solid tonight um and really stood up. was was physical. was tall. I mean their big their big forward was 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 physical against him, and he stood up. And I think the two of them. the one thing that impressed me was you know they're they're playing in a two. Neither of them has that much experience. You know, it's not like. When Ballard first came in, at least he had Johnny Evans beside him, you know, he's got that experienced player beside him that's been there, done that. Whereas they weren't, you know, they were playing with each other. Um, and then also with 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 two keepers that that neither were experienced. I mean, and neither are playing first team football either at the minute. Um, and, and look solid. So no, I you know, there's no right or wrong answer to whether you play Flanagan. Um, I think it was you, Andy, said because he's got he got the height, and Switzerland forwards have a bit of height, you know. Yeah. Um, it's, I it's just a, think
0: listen, it's, it's, it's a very like reductive way to look at centre halves. I know, but I'm just thinking no, he's but, six foot four. Yeah. And you can put him on him, and Harris scores loads and loads of headers. So I'm just thinking from that perspective. But there's a lot that Brown would give us in possession. I think and naturally yeah. fitting into that left hand side that certainly Flanagan wouldn't give us.
2: He's got he's got he is that wee bit better on the ball, in my opinion. Although you look at it, Flanagan's been playing regular football this season where I think due to the injury Karen Brown hasn't.
0: Yeah.
2: Um so you know, you could you could go back and forward all night on them. My personal preference is Karen Brown, but I wouldn't be heartbroken if I saw Flanagan playing there either.
0: Well, that's a nice segue that Ben's done kind of into the, the Switzerland preview, Pete, unless you've, you've anything else to say about the Estonia game. I think we'll, we'll start sort of talking about that and we'll stick with the centre-halves because Ben says there that he would prefer Brown and there are loads of pros for, for Kieran Brown to play and there are lots of pros for Flanagan to play. I think there are a lot of pros for Michael, Michael Smith to play, although what... Erling Haaland did to him, although we're not going to come up against a player of the calibre of Erling Haaland, what he did to him in terms of balls into the box, getting into those areas, he he wasn't really able to live with him. And I fear that Sofirovic could do a a good job. But one other thing that I think works in, will maybe work in Flanagan's favour for this game is he's a real threat from attacking set pieces. Um, Every single attacking set piece we were looking for him tonight, he nearly scores at the back post with one where I think he heads it against his own player. We get a corner from it, but I'm pretty sure he heads it against Donnelly. And the other thing I noticed, which was something that Ian die pointed out in commentary, was for defensive set pieces, we were always leaving him as a free man. So he could just go and attack any ball. Um, and he is six foot four and he is a little bit slight. And I think sometimes he, he has been a bit passive in certain games that we've played um, that I haven't been overly happy with. But he ultimately is an aerial threat. And uh, as I say, Seferovic is, is one of the very good players for Switzerland who actually hasn't been ruled out of this game. And we need to have a plan for him.
1: Yeah. I suppose those are the intricacies that managers will look into height <laughs> very
0: you know is, as this simple is why, as that. this is why height. we're on this like isn't it <laughs> he's <laughs> no, big it's, that's your analysis he's big. <laughs> well, people actually listen easy. to us mate like it's incredible isn't
1: it <laughs> no but something as simple as that is very true with set pieces in a game like this we have to make them count we can't you know, we may get three corners if we're lucky against Switzerland. If we can make one of them count, what a bonus! You know, it's a cheap goal to, to score, and you know they're obviously going to get. They'll probably get a lot of corners, and we need to be so consistent in defending them. And if he will add to that and make us more robust, you now it's probably more than a good enough reason to start him. I did, Ballard started on the left side, didn't he? He did,
0: yeah, but that's not his natural side, which he said it'll be interesting so, to see. So I mean, he does with
1: him. Is, is that? trying to get Ballard used to playing on the left side to allow Flanagan possibly to start at right centre-back. I mean, Flanagan was... It was interesting that he stepped forward with the ball on a couple of occasions. He made Mm -hmm. forward fast passes. A few got intercepted, albeit. But I, I couldn't tell you. I don't really have a preference between the two of them. I don't think when they've played, they've properly been... Exposed in a way to highlight one's better than the other, if that makes any sense. So mm-hmm. I, could, you know, and I don't watch them at club level, so I couldn't tell you. I mean, if you want to left, my my sorry footed but one forehead. here, Brian. If you want a big lad, <laughs> you get Flanagan. Yeah, my my
2: instinct <laughs> is that um, that Brian's a better footballer than um, that. That defensively, you know, Flanagan might give you that little bit more. Um, but one thing I think from an offensive point of view, um, Kieran Brown's long throw in is a real asset. You know, you we say we're not gonna have yeah. a lot of lot, lot of corners, but that's almost like a corner.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, that's a good point. And w- without McGuinness in the squad as well, um, he can give you that long throw. There's there's no reason why not, and it's one of those kind of ways which you can not scrap a goal against Switzerland, get yourself one nil up, and um. And, and and just get yourself a foothold in the game and you never know what can happen after that. And uh, Ben, I'll stick with you because Pete's picture is very much frozen here. Frozen he's frozen there. He's back now, but I've said he'll come to you, so i will come to you anyway. Um, and let's just talk a little bit about the context of this game because especially with Switzerland getting the point tonight against Italy, it now means that if we get four points against Switzerland, which we knew we were going to need anyway, that only puts us uh, level with them on goal difference and on points. So even if we do, perform that minor miracle i think it would be especially with how desperate Mm. our squad is and you know we'll still we'll still be in that position where we're we're 50 50 to qualify so if we assume that it is at least four points do you think the three of them just have to come at windsor park
2: oh yeah i mean i think there's no no question about that you know you're talking a minor miracle to get three at windsor park and a point away it would be a massive miracle if you drew at home and then ended up getting three points away wouldn't it Mm -hmm. you know with that said, although we had a full squad and, and, and I think a better and more experienced squad, we really, that World Cup qualifier, which you can't help but think about with Switzerland, I mean, we, we should beat them away from home. You know, we were the better team. We, we played them away from home and we're lucky not to beat them. So I hope we can take something from that. Although I suppose most of the memories, when you think about that, will be uh, bad ones rather than good. But uh, yeah, it has to come at home. I mean, 16,000 fans there, Um, you know, they they are of course we're depleted but they're depleted as well. Um, so this is this is a chance and I think the the important thing for us to realise is that we can't because most of our most of our um players missing key players missing anyway would be towards the back of the pitch and therefore our best chance is to go at them is to attack them and I know you can't go gung ho and leave spaces here there and everywhere but sitting back and allowing them to come on you the whole game is only going to end one way so we've got to be proactive and we've got to go for them.
0: The approach, I think, Pete, is is really interesting. I think you, first ten minutes we do have to see a, a high press. We do have to try and blitz them. We do have to try and catch them cold, because we've seen us were able to start quickly. We did it against Germany at home. We did it against the Netherlands at home. And when we need to, we can we can have a a big ten minutes for the start. And I think you can really use the crowd. Listen, a crowd hasn't been in, in two years, and we love to talk about how Northern Ireland fans are the best in the world and they're absolutely incredible. But no crowd is going full gung ho for ninety minutes. So you have to use when they're really excited, when the adrenaline is pumping through your veins, and that's always going to be the first 10 minutes of a game. Midway through the first half, if it's nil-nil, there's very few crowds that are going to be absolutely bouncing. So for me, the approach for this should be kind of go for it first 10, and if we don't get a goal there, if it's nil-nil after that, then just make sure it's nil-nil in 60, because if we can get to the last 20 minutes, then again, we can use the crowd as well. That's kind of that's kind of how I see the crowd going. Um, if, it, if, it, if it is kind of nil-nil, it's going to start big, we're going to have a little bit of a lull, and then last 20 minutes, we're going to go for it. Um, But it's a tool that we have, and Barclough needs to needs to use it to the best of its advantage, and that should be central to his plan, I think.
1: Oh, 100%. I mean, as sophisticated as modern-day football is, unsettling a team in the first 10 minutes away from home who are, really depleted don't I've lost most of their leaders I mean Shaka's gone shakiri has gone these guys who would have led them to to major tournaments aren't there we we just can't let them settle make them really nervous and then um I suppose yeah you're right high press first 10 minutes and then see where that takes us and then just try and hold out for as long as possible whilst maintaining a threat at the other end of the pitch um I don't know why we play the tactics the whole game, but we just have to be brave. I think is the underlying message because we don't win this. Say goodbye to the World Cup. You know, and no one's going to insult them if they have a go.
0: Definitely, you know? definitely, and and Ben, it's uh, it's a strange one because they've got a new manager in, and it's kind of like what happened with us bringing Barraclough in. We didn't want the, We didn't want Michael O'Neill to go. So many uh, occasions when a new manager comes in, you'll get that new manager bounce because a previous manager hasn't had the results. But like Michael O'Neill, Vladimir Petkovic was there for seven years, got them consistently into the knockout stages of tournaments despite not being overly. Um, inspiring in them but ends up getting them within a penalty shootout of the of the semifinals this time around and they just looked really good at the Euros to be honest really effective I think that's the word that we always use if, uh, about them is effective and the new gaffers come in and I watched the game tonight against Italy and they did do very well they kept Italy at arm's length albeit Italy probably should have won it by one or two goals and miss a penalty um, but they've they've gone to a back four which is something they haven't played in quite a few years we know the, the new managers come in and said he wants to do that and they're as decimated as us granted is out Shakiri's out and Bolo's out. Gavranovic, who I think is a really good player and will go under the radar in the previews of these games, is out as well. Um, so I'm not sure who it necessarily favours more, um, the, the decimation of both squads. I don't know if it's a, a leveler for us or, or it just means we're not going to be able to hurt them as much. But it's certainly a spanner in the works. And while there's a spanner in the works and we need four points, then get the three when the spanner is in the works.
2: Well, because they're because they're as you described efficient. Although in the Euros they actually I thought were a better footballing team than I've given them credit for for a few years. Mm-hmm. Um, but because they're efficient, they're efficient relying on having those players. You know, having your had, You know, they're used to playing together. They've been playing together for so long. They're not together now. So hopefully we can, as you say, get in them the first ten minutes, um, and and really put them on the back foot. Think, make them so they might. You know they. I don't know, they have this committee anyway, they have this arrogance about them. Um, and you know, they might they might after 10 minutes they might think, here I tell you what, we're in a game actually here. You know, if we're in their faces, if we're not allowing them to settle, to play, to dictate. Because the, the biggest thing apart from that penalty decision, which still angers me to this day. From, from the World Cup playoff but the biggest thing that we did at that Windsor and that was under Michael it wasn't under uh, Barclough was we paid them too much respect yeah. in that first game we sat there we let them come and dictate the play and although they weren't better than we were they were poor as well but we didn't start like that we didn't get in their faces you know we weren't bringing the game to them so you know change it up this time do that get after them Um, and just that's the biggest thing as Pete said if we do that and we end up losing Nobody's gonna, nobody's gonna um, be overly critical. You know, we're gonna be proud. That's all. That's that's all we want from Northern Ireland. You know, give it a go. Don't don't come in, sit there negatively and try and you know keep it at nil nil and then hope for the last five minutes and then bring bring your bring your sub on too late and so on and so forth. You know, start as you mean to go on. Um, and just touching one last thing on the Estonia game. One thing like if we, as you said, we go, we go sort of. Um, at them and then we sort of sit off and make sure that we're still in it last 15 20 half an hour the one one of the players that impressed me and i and i know he fades in and out of games but that sort of reminded us what a player he can be for us i thought jordan jones was good mm-hmm. um and in and, in and, and, and parts and you know if, if you're still in a game and you know you've you, you've a sort of depleted team and you've jordan jones coming on the last sort of 10 15 minutes to go at them you never know you're still in the game that's all that's all we can ask
0: I'm, re- I'm really enjoying the, the idea that Dave's flying off to sunny Portugal tomorrow, just listening to this podcast and in such a good mm-hmm. mood. And he hears that and he's just in a foul form for the entire two weeks and his family have to put up with him and he's at the bar every night and he's just a real hemorrhoid. Um, So yeah, if Dave can let me know how that one goes, I'll be amazing. But yeah, no, I, I agree. He was really good. He had some good touches. It was a very Jordan Jones-esque performance where he was in and out. You wouldn't see him for 10 minutes and then he'd do something really good. But i'd rather that listen than, if i
2: if i can ruin a glenn Torn fans holiday then you know you're making me a very happy man
0: <laughs> excellent stuff all right pete we're gonna we're gonna rattle through the rest of the team here um and i think one of the one of the interesting questions that 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 me and Dave were debating on the end of the last podcast i didn't come to you because you we were getting you on this one was thompson versus saville and I think Thompson's, his first half hour in Lithuania, while well, he comes up with some amazing moments and obviously gets the assist, has that, that ball for Lavery, which is really good. He is very careless with the ball, and we can't be careless with the ball against Switzerland. When we're in possession, we need to take care of it. We need to know when to take the sting out of the game. We, know, we need to know when to find the forward pass. Um, and we need to basically play Switzerland at their own game management game, which they're which they're really, really good at. And that would favour Saville from that perspective. You are just thinking two individuals against each other. However, I think width is a massive problem for us, especially with McNair not being there. You're going to have three very narrow center halves who aren't going to give you any width and you don't want it to be just on Lewis and Smith to give you that. Obviously you play Washington and Lavery. They're going to give you a bit of channel running as well. But one thing Thompson did really well, which we talked about on the, the podcast was, was giving us that width out left and, I think if he could just be a little bit more tidy with the ball um, and go for the simple pass a little bit more, then I think it's a maybe a no-brainer to throw him into this one.
1: Yeah, it's an, it's it's an interesting one to weigh up, isn't it? I mean, Saval has played in some big games. I mean, he started in Bosnia, and he's you know he's been impressive in performances when McNair hasn't been available mm-hmm. in midfield field because they both play a sort of similar role. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe Saval ends up going missing because of that. So, I, I would not be surprised if Saville starts, and you know I, I wouldn't mind it to be honest. I think he probably has something to prove as well. If you remember back the Switzerland qualifier, he had a good chance to score. Mm-hmm. I remember he shockingly he fluffed his
0: lines, but <laughs> no, <Saville. laughs> you know what? <laughs> he's actually really, really good in that game. Really, yeah, really he was. Good. Yeah, so you know
1: he's. Baraclough has backed him in the big game against Bosnia and against Slovakia, so I I'd probably do the same again against Switzerland. But I mean, it's six or one half a dozen of the other with the two. To be honest, I mean, if 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 Thompson is seen as a bit of a liability on the ball, you probably don't play him.
0: Yeah, yeah. Ben. One thing, even that- if you lose a bit of width. <laughs> yeah, completely fair. Um, But I think that that is a big thing, Ben, because I think of all the midfielders that we have in our squad. Um, I think that Davis, McCann, savile that midfield is almost as narrow midfield as you can pick. And there are benefits to that in terms of you're not going to get played through the centre, but you don't want somebody like Lewis or like Smith to get isolated. And we know that Lewis is a bit hot and cold for Northern Ireland. I thought he was good in Lithuania. Other people didn't. Um, and then tonight, I don't think he has his best game. So it's not really the game to ask him to do that whole left-hand side on his own. So from your perspective, I think, I'm I've just real worries about the, the 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 narrowness is that the word of the midfield and there's one there's one player I actually think we could really do with for this game and that's Corey Evans to give us that width out wide not that he's going to whip across in but he's going to give you that option and give you um give them give whoever's on the ball uh, an option on that side as well so uh, he's not available so it's Thompson or Savile. and uh, given your previous comments on George Savile, I think you're going to go for Thompson aren't you?
2: Uh, you've answered your own question there. Um, yes, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I also I also think, you know, yes, I don't think, I think Thompson had good good points the other night and, and, and bad points, and it's arguable which which outweighed the other. Um, but I, I think Thompson, you know, we, 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 it's a winning team at the end of the day. Um, the, the, the one thing that makes me think is, Savile here is only joining, joining up with the squad. I understand he was suspended and all, but he's only joining mm-hmm. up tomorrow. Yeah. Um, which sort of surprised me why he wouldn't have been sort of training with him. Um, you know, I understand that you're focusing on the Lithuania game and then the um, game today, but you'd, you'd have thought, like, if he really had intention of starting him, that he'd have been training with a with squad because, you know, the rest of the players, even the ones that weren't playing for, tonight at Estonia, we're still there, we're still training. Um, so, so it sort of surprises me that he's sort of given him that long off and allowed him to come in now. Um, I it, but sorry, long long way around. But I I would start Thompson. One, although his set pieces weren't good the other night, they really can be an asset, and are an asset a lot of the time. Um, and again, winning team, and I just I just I prefer him now. Okay, I, I fully admit I'm not a Stavell fan. Although I do realise that he does have good qualities, and you know he will ha- he will come good for Northern Ireland at some stage, um, but but now I know what we go for Thompson.
1: I think Thompson will start. Sorry to interrupt because, you know, McNair's not there and he's the set-piece taker.
0: Yeah, that's definitely fair. So from that point,
1: who takes their set-pieces if he doesn't play?
0: And it's interesting because you think of the set-piece takers in our squad who take them for their clubs, you've got, like, Thompson may or may not play, McNair suspended, and Jordan Jones, who isn't going to play in this game. Um, Ali McCann is taking a few for St. Johnson. There are actually a few of our players that, that take decent set pieces for yeah. the clubs, and there are other ways. But, yeah, you're absolutely right. Thompson is a, is a dead ball specialist. We're going to start to wrap it up. I'm going to go through the the man of the match for the Estonia game. Um, But dead quick, Pete, same front two has played against Lithuania? Yeah. Yeah? Ben? Lavery, Washington? percent Yeah. 100%. Cool. All right. Man of the match poll went up uh, earlier today. The four I put forward were Tom Flanagan, Kieran Brown. Alfie McCalmont and Paddy McNair. Um, Tom Fanning received 1% of the vote. Kieran Brown received 3%. Paddy McNair got 3%. And Alfie McAlmont got uh, a landslide mandate of, uh, of 93%. Now, there were two retweets on this, uh, which were LUFC Youth Academy with 15,000 followers and LUFC Yorkshire. Um, and there were 689 votes in this poll when we usually don't get over 200, so slightly skewed, but I did have a look after 15 minutes before uh, the results were able to be skewed, and Alfie McCallum was miles ahead, and uh, I think he was the man of the match tonight. Um, so, any other business from you two before I wrap up? No, no, just
2: what we've already said, you know. Go, go for it, Northern Ireland, nothing to lose.
1: Yeah, would you a scalp. We're due a scalp. And it's going to come a Wednesday night. The 1-0, George Star was <laughs> rubbing his head.
0: Yeah, yeah absolutely. There's one thing that was missing from the, the Michael O'Neill tenure, wasn't it? A big, big and who will have Ukraine, but against one of those giants. And I guess Switzerland maybe wouldn't necessarily be that, but it would be the biggest one we've we've had in the last decade or so. All right, we'll wrap it up there. So that was kind of a, a Switzerland preview from a Northern Ireland point of view. You know, I think... We're going to have another podcast coming out tomorrow night, looking at it from more of a Switzerland point of view, getting a couple of guys on from there. I haven't had it absolutely confirmed yet, so no promises. But I'm hoping we're going to have a podcast coming out tomorrow night, kind of a deep dive into Switzerland and getting a bit more of an idea from their perspective, because there's only so much we can do, only so many games we can watch. None of us are European football experts, apart from Dave, who's away. So, uh, yeah. Hopefully that'll be coming out tomorrow night. What will definitely be having coming out on Wednesday night is the post-Switzerland podcast. Ben, you're going to be back on that. We're going to have Craig Hannon on from the Anfield Wrap for that one as well. So really excited for that. It's going to be either amazing or depressing. Um, there's no real in-between for this one. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to that game. So um, until then, thank you very much to Ben Harshaw. Thank you very much to Peter Baker for his efforts over this international break. And we'll see you again hopefully tomorrow night, but if not Wednesday. Bye-bye.